So a preacher and a cab driver died about the same time and arrived in heaven at the pearly gates. Peter was waiting on them. Cab driver goes first, and Peter checks his book and says, You know, welcome in, cab driver. You, here's a gold cape, a gold scepter, and you go straight to the mansion up on the hill. Well, the preacher puffed his chest out, was proud to be there. He stepped before Peter. Peter checked his book and said, here's a cotton white cape and an old shepherd's staff, and you go to that little cottage over on the side. And the preacher said, wait a minute. I served you in the ministry faithfully for 40 years. Why does he get to go to the mansion and I have to go to the little cottage? He said, because... When you preached, people slept. When he drove his cab, people prayed. (laughs) You know what? That's not what anything what heaven is going to be like. And to think it is just shows how much misunderstanding there is about heaven. The fact that we even have a, a funny story like that shows how much misunderstanding there is about heaven. You know, in the Scripture, we do have some description of heaven. But to be honest with you, there's not an exhaustive description of what it's going to be like when we do get to heaven. There's, there's, uh, you know, some material, and we can be assured of heaven through the Scripture. But just to understand it all is a little vague. A little five-year-old girl was getting ready to go to kindergarten. And she was out playing the day before she was to go. And she fell down and she skinned her knees up. And her little brother, three years old, comes up and lays his hand on her and says, Sissy, don't worry. If you die, you'll get to go to heaven. She started crying big crocodile tears. And she said, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to kindergarten. (laughs) And you know, a a, a lot of us are like that. We We don't want to think about heaven right now. We, we, we like it here. We, we want to be here. We want to go to kindergarten. But you know, heaven is a place that we should long for and that we should look forward to. And maybe there's a reason why so many people feel that way because they're not taught. You know, maybe the church is not did a good job of teaching really the truth about heaven and what the Scriptures have to say. We've been doing this series the last few weeks, and all of these messages are on our website. You can go back and listen to them. And we've been going through a series called Why I Believe. And we talked about why I believe God is creator, why I believe the Bible is God's word, and why I believe Jesus is the Son of God, why I believe the Holy Spirit is real, why I believe church is essential. Last week, why I believe Jesus died and rose again. And today we're going to think about why I believe in heaven. The question I raise today is why should we believe in heaven? You know, last week we did talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. And that story's kind of far-fetched, you know, if if you've never heard it before. And maybe even the idea of heaven is sort of far-fetched idea for some people. But it is one of the central themes of the gospel message and of our Christian faith. Be honest with you, I met very few people in my ministry of 25 years that said, Preacher, I don't care about going to heaven. I just want to go in the ground when I die and turn to dust. That's all I care about. Nobody says that. Everybody's looking for some kind of afterlife. 
for something after we leave this place here on earth. In fact, most people that never even darkened the door of a church or even, even had any kind of faith at all, when it comes near to death, they're trying to figure out how they can claim an, an afterlife, a place in heaven. So today I want you to turn to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's a pew Bible there, page uh, 1004. If you have it on your phone, that's fine. Revelation 21. And we're going to look at the first few verses here. Now, Revelation is kind of a complicated book. It is written in something called apocalyptic literature. It comes from the uh, Greek word of the New Testament, uh, apocalypsis. And it really means revelation. It means a revealing from God, some message that he wants us to know. And Revelation is primarily written to uh, some churches in an area called Asia Minor in the first century. And it was written with the message that those churches could understand. But it's also written for us because God included it in his Bible. And it's written to help us sort of understand what the end times will be like. And what we have to look forward to. Now chapter 20 of Revelation talks about Judgment Day. That'll be the day when Jesus returns back to earth. And Jesus, as he comes, uh, there'll be some people that were not believers in Jesus Christ. And to be honest with you, the Bible says they will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's hell. But for those who are believers, the Bible says their name will be written in the book of life. And they will get to enjoy what God has in store for the afterlife. Read with me here, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So I want us to think about this passage, and we're going to sort of break it down verse by verse today. Let's look back at that first verse again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So the Bible speaks of heaven as a new place for God's people. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. This is going to be the dwelling place for God's people. Now, the first thing I want to do is address something that's a little negative here. People find a problem with that phrase that says there were no longer any sea. And we wonder about why that will be. Revelation 13.1 tells us that one of the evil beasts talked about in Revelation came out of the sea. And Revelation 20 verse 1 says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And then verse 14 says, And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And then 
Chapter 21, verse 1, there will no longer be any seed. You see, death and, and uh, evil are associated with that seed. And so there won't be any seed anymore when we get to heaven. There won't be any more death. There won't be any more evil either when we get to heaven. But let's think about the positive part of this. You know, the universe as we know it will no longer exist. It will all be made new. This, this world we live in, we all know it's broken. There's so many issues, so much problems, so much sin, but it's all going to be made new. Now, something you need to know as well. In the Bible, when it talks about heaven, there are three different ways that the biblical people thought about heaven. First of all, they thought about, sometimes they called heaven was just the earth's atmosphere, the clouds. They pointed to the clouds and called that heaven. But then there's what they called a second heaven, and that's the place where all the planets and the stars are. That was the second heaven. And then the third heaven is the place where God dwells. And when the biblical writers talked about that heaven, they were talking about God. In fact, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul in verse 2 there talks about the third heaven. And so we need to get that idea in mind that this is what John, the author of Revelation, is talking about. It's going to be made new. Verse 2 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. You know, there's, there's, a, there's this new Jerusalem coming. And it's not so much a place as it is a people. You know, Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem, was, was God's holy city. It was a place where His temple was. It was a place where His people met and where they came together. And there's going to be this new Jerusalem. It's a new people. It is the people of God that are coming together. And it says they're dressed as a beautiful bride. Throughout the Old Testament of your Bible, it often speaks of God as a husband to His people. He loves His people the way a good husband takes care of His bride. And He cares for them. And this new city will be the people of God. They will be prepared to be there with God and be His people. That's in contrast to Revelation 17, 5, where the Bible talks about the prostitute Babylon. Now, Babylon was against the people of God. In fact, at one point in the Old Testament, took them in captivity. But Babylon was also a place where they worshipped many gods. And they did not, were not faithful to the one God. That's why they're referred to as a prostitute. Babylon in Revelation is symbolic for the, for the Roman Empire because they worshipped so many gods and they stood against the Christian people. But this new Jerusalem it, <coughs> is a holy people, the people of God that are being gathered back together. So the Bible speaks of heaven as this new place for God's people. Then look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. You know, we have a longing for a dwelling with God after this life. 
I mean, that's God's desire, is that we would all have faith in Him and come to be with Him and be His people. You know, listen to some of these scriptures throughout the Bible. In Leviticus 26, 12, he says, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. Jeremiah 7, 23, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Jeremiah eleven fourteen flips it around. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 30, verse 22. Jeremiah 31, 33. Jeremiah 32, 38. Ezekiel eleven twenty, Ezekiel eleven fourteen, Ezekiel thirty six twenty eight, Ezekiel thirty seven twenty three, Ezekiel thirty seven twenty seven. All say some form of I will be your God, you will be my people, or either you will be my people and I will be your God. That's what God desires. He desires us to be his people, to have a relationship with him. In Zechariah eight eight it says, They will be my people. And I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. 2 Corinthians 6.16 And God said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And in Hebrews 8.10, I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's what God has always longed for, is to have a people that will allow Him to be their God. You see, we have to accept Him as our Lord and Savior, as our God. That's what this book is all about, is how to have a relationship with God. You know, you ask some people, what's the Bible about? And they say, Jesus. I heard about a Sunday school teacher that said, Class, what is a little animal that is gray, has a long fuzzy tail, loves to climb trees and eat nuts? And one little boy raised his hand and said, Teacher, sounds a whole lot like a squirrel. But since we're in church, the answer must be Jesus. <laughs> and you know, some people just say, you know, the Bible's all about Jesus. Well, what about Jesus? He is an important figure, the most important figure. He is God in the flesh, come to earth that God sent. But the Bible is really how to have a relationship with Jesus how to have a relationship with God through Jesus. God longs for us to have this relationship, and we should long to be with Him in the here and now and for eternity. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has set eternity in the human heart. You think about it, when people near death, we always talk about heaven, don't we? Ah, yeah, you know, be with the great father in the sky or, or whatever. If they were a fisherman, I'm going to go to be the great lake with the great fisherman in the sky. Whatever your hobby is, some, somehow people always relate it uh, when they get ready to pass on. And like I said earlier, I meet very few people that don't want some kind of an afterlife when they're gone from this world. And they think about all kinds of things. And what, when somebody is, is facing death, what do they always cry out? Oh, God. You see, we, it's set in our hearts. We have this longing to go back to our Creator and to be with Him. It's not going to happen like you probably think. Go with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
gives us some amazing insight. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, John quoted this verse in his communion meditation. We do not want you to be misinformed about those who sleep in death, so we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Verse 14, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Uh, the Bible often talks about when somebody dies, about them falling asleep. One day Jesus is coming back, the day of the Lord, the end of this world as we know it. And when Jesus comes back, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that when we die before Jesus comes back, that our spirit inside of our body departs and goes to be with Jesus and God in heaven. So when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring with him those spirits. Then listen. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So, what is this talking about? The bodies in the ground of those people that died, that were believers, will be raised. They'll be reunited with their spirits. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us there'll be a different kind of body. It'll be a spiritual body. But they will be raised together with those spirits. After that, we who are still alive or left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. So it doesn't say anything about heaven there. It says we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So what is this all about? Because God is getting ready to make a new heaven and a new earth. Listen to what Peter says is going to happen when the Lord's return. Over in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. This is verse 10. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God's speed is com and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth when righteous, where righteousness dwells. One day Jesus is coming back, and all those who have placed their faith in Him and hold to that faith and believe in Him are going to be caught up with Him in the air and then we will inhabit that new heaven and that new earth. Now, it kind of sounds horrific about what's going to happen. It should if you're not a believer. But if you're a believer, you have something great to look forward to. And you know as well as I do, this world is broken. In fact, the Bible tells us very plainly the earth is under a curse. Since Adam and Eve committed the first sin, this earth has been under a curse. 
Genesis 3.14 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. But listen to what Revelation 21.4 says. When this new heaven and this new earth come, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Things are going to be new. Things are going to be different. The curse on this world will be lifted. You know, it wasn't just the ground that was cursed. Adam and Eve were removed from the garden. In the garden was the tree of life that gives life. Adam and Eve went and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at that point, they understood evil because they violated God's law not to eat from that tree. And so sin came into the world. And they experienced evil and that brought death. And it became part of life. Death came to all people because all people have sinned. But now, to those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, their sins are forgiven and the curse will be lifted in that new heaven and new earth. And they can know eternal life. You know, that may be scary for some people. John Ortberg tells a story about a friend of his many, many years ago who traveled for his denomination, and part of his duties were to do, um, go out up in Minnesota into the backwoods areas and do funerals for people where there were no funeral homes. And they had an undertaker that drove a hearse, and they would go together and do these funerals back in, you know, in the boondocks up in Minnesota. And so after one busy weekend, they'd been up doing several funerals, and the, the minister was a little bit tired. The undertaker was driving the hearse. So the minister thought, I'm in a hearse. Why don't I just go lay down in the back and take a nap? And I guess he got his coat and made a pillow, and he laid down, fell asleep. And the undertaker stopped at a gas station. And while they were at the gas station, the uh, minister woke up and he thought, wow, I don't want this guy pumping the gas to think there's a dead body just rolling around in the back of his hearse. So he woke up and he tapped on the window. He said he had never seen a gas attendant run so fast. But you know, the truth is we see a resurrected body. If we were to, we'd probably run too because it would scare you to death. But just because we have never seen a resurrection doesn't mean it's not real. Because the only one that's happened so far has been Jesus. But there's more coming. And one day, all those who know Jesus will be resurrected from the dead. You know, it says here that one day there's going to be a trumpet sound. When I first moved to Bristol, it was one Saturday about noon, I was working here at the church, and there was this horn that goes off. And I thought, holy smoke, Jesus is coming back. And I said, but I'm not going up. What's, what's happening here? Can't be. And I looked around, and there were other people driving down the road. There were no empty cars, you know, wrecking because the people had been. And I realized what it was. It was the emergency system test here in Bristol. And every time I hear that horn on Saturday at noon, I think about Jesus coming back. One day he's coming. And listen to Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, 
as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down to the middle of the great street on the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding fruit every month. And the leaves in the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night, and they will not need a light or a lamp or the light of the sun, but for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. You notice a couple of things about these words I read. There's going to be the tree of life back again. We'll be able to eat from that tree and live forever. And the curse will be gone. And we will live free in a sinless, deathless place where there'll be no evil. And that's what we have to look forward to. Just because you've never experienced that before doesn't mean it's not real. Because nobody's experienced this new heaven and this new earth yet until Jesus comes back. It will be like nothing you have ever seen or experienced before in your life. And here's our connection. All those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ will one day experience eternal life in this wonderful place. Author Peter Kreft asked us to imagine the day when sin, death, and evil are finally defeated by Christ. He says, suppose God took you on a crystal ball trip into your future and you saw with indulgable certainty that despite everything, your sin, your smallness, your stupidity, you could have free for the asking your whole crazy heart's desperate desire, heaven, eternal joy. Would you not return fearless and singing what can earth do to you? If you are guaranteed heaven, to fear the worst earthly loss would be like a millionaire fearing the loss of a penny, or even less, a scratch on a penny. You see, we have the promise. And John has given us a little peek into heaven. You have a shot at spending eternity with God in heaven in the most pristine place that you could ever imagine. Jesus says simply do this. Believe in Him. Repent of your sin. Be baptized. Follow Him. And go into eternity to spend all of your days with all of His people enjoying the greatest life you could ever imagine. Revelation twenty two twelve. Jesus says this, Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Jesus is coming back one day, and that's why I believe in heaven. You know, we've gone through this series, and they're all the messages are on our website. If you missed one, you might want to go back. We talked about believing that God is creator and believing the Bible is God's Word, and believing Jesus is the Son of God, and believing 
that the Holy Spirit is real and the church is essential and believing that Jesus died and rose again and believing in heaven. And if you believe these things, well, you have the best life here and now in store and you have the greatest life in the afterlife, in eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you today that you have given us such great hope that you've given us such great promises that you will be with us no matter what we face here on this earth and you will be there through our faith to take us into eternity where we will spend in a glorious, pristine place. For that we are grateful. And I pray that you help us to be a people, a people that believe in all these things so that we can go out into this crazy world, this broken, cursed world, and be sort of the light that brings hope to other people, that they might come to believe what we know. In the strong, mighty name of Jesus, I pray today. Amen.